be here today. Excellent. Are you tired? And when I say tired, I'm not talking about physically. I mean, you're working, you're tired, and I'm just all the stuff going on in the world today. Are you getting fatigued a little bit? I know I am. It's throwing a curveball for all of us. I mean, we've had to learn uh, just a, a lot of different things. We've had to just live life differently uh, the past two months. I don't know about you, but I've made a lot of adjustments. I've never preached to a camera lens before, and so there was that adjustment. Uh, live streaming, I've never even cared about. In fact, uh, 17 plus years ago when I was at First Baptist in, in, in Liberal, they were talking about going to online TV. They wanted to broadcast a sermon on TV uh, in, the, in that community, and I was like, nope, I'm out. I didn't like the idea of being on video. Um, it's hard enough talking to you guys face to face to get this idea of being there. So that's just something that's a reality, new, a new one for us uh, that uh, we picked up and had a lot of people joining us uh, from not just in the community but all across the United States, which is uh, encouraging, uh, intimidating at the same time. So we, we've uh, done some live streaming and uh, uploaded videos. In fact, we're just trying to live stream today. We're checking it out. So step one, two, step ten, ten. I'm just playing. All right. Um, but I want to share with you something that it, and one of the things that, you know, about having uh, just things different uh, than what I'm normal, normally used to is sometimes we get into a pattern or we, we have our schedule, and those schedules get kind of moved around from time to time. And that's what I've noticed uh, in this season, that I have been forced to look at the, the topics that we're, we're all feeling, uh, the situations that we're all going through. I'm like, I just need to speak to uh, whatever it is that we're going through from week to week to week, and I, and I feel like I've done that to the best of my ability for the past what, 10 weeks or so. And I'm ready to get back into like a Bible study or I mean, a book study or a character study or just get, go through a passage of Scripture specifically, but I'm still walking through this season where I feel like there's things that need to be said. And, and so if you'll bear with me this morning, I want to share with you my heart again on, on this. Because I think that we need to hear as a church, we need to hear as individuals, as people. Uh, but I want to start by saying that this, there were two things that my dad would say pretty regularly when I was growing up. One of them was this, and maybe you've used it, because I told you so. I didn't like that one. You know, like, they clean the room. Why? Because I told you so. Or another one, I didn't hear a lot, and I find myself using this one sometimes, and maybe it's just because I'm a little bit more sarcastic. I mean, is that whenever I am questioned, and I, I give instructions, and then you're like, but, but, what, what? And they just kind of act like they don't get it. I will usually say something like this, and my dad did a few times as well. Did I stutter? If you say that, usually it's like, uh-oh, <clears throat> we're in trouble, right? Because what we mean by that is, I've already given you clear instructions. I've already told you what I want you to do. I've already laid out the expectations for you. I just need you to do the obedience part. Amen? And I feel like sometimes we as church, as people, as Christians, we, we hear things and we're like, yeah, I've heard that before. And I know what God's Word says about that particular topic. In fact, what I want to share with you today is so, it seems so simple on its surface. But in its application, it becomes very, very difficult. Even in the church. And I'm talking about this command of Jesus to love one another. Seems easy on its surface, but when it comes to application, especially in today's, um, in, in today's climate, it, it seems like it's very needed once again. Amen? So you're going to have to help me out a little bit today. So if you'll open with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13, I, I talk about a, a revolution and a love revolution. It's time for the, the church to arise. We need to step it up. And, and the reality is, is there's things going on in our world that have been going on for hundreds of years. And it just keeps on and on and on and on. And it feels like we just keep resurfacing and resurfacing and resurfacing. And we try uh, to, to gain knowledge. I was reading something this morning about how it was like every 28 years the knowledge would double. And now in our era today, it's like every 12 minutes, I think it, it was, is our knowledge is, is increasing. We're just getting more and more and more information. And yet it's not helping. Those are in political offices. It's not helping. We're just doing all these different things to try to fix a problem, and it's not working. And I go back to the simple command. I'll just see my Father in heaven. I know he's not sarcastic like I am, but it's like, God, I know you said this, but. And I can just hear him say, did I stutter? But God, you're, uh, you're, you're black. Did I, did I stutter? God, you're gay. Did I stutter? God, you're, you're Democrat. Oh, wow, that's a question. Did I stutter? Joking. But God, they're, they're different than me. They have a political view different than me. They, they don't agree with me. Doctrinally, everything. And, and he's like, you have to love them 
And, and I hear my father say, did I flatter? No, I would have told you what I expect from you in order to judge one another. So first Corinthians 13, Paul is dealing with a church that's out of whack. There's just so many things that are dysfunctional in the church that are going on. And he deals with that. Um, and just a quick walk through some of those things. There was divisions in the church. How you know division in the church is not healthy? So there was division in there. Some wanted to follow Paul, some wanted to follow us. And he says, this is division. It's not healthy. And there was uh, this one dude that was living with his uh, stepmom, and that was wicked. There were other sexual sins going on in the church. There were Christians stealing other Christians, so they had a problem with, with lawsuits. Uh, they had this uh, issue with uh, the, the Lord's Supper that they were just cutting ahead of other people who were selfish, and they weren't really considered of those uh, that were, were the, the brothers and sisters in Christ. And then when it came to the spiritual gifts, they were abusing those. There were just so many things that were out of whack. And, and so Paul is trying to uh, kind of recalibrate them, if you will, and share with them how important the body of Christ is. We are all a part of the body of Christ if we are in Christ. And so there's not one part of the body that's more important than the, the rest of the body. We should be all one body. We're diverse, but we're unified. And that's what Paul is saying to them. Now, God has put us all together in a way to benefit one another. The gifts weren't for our pleasure, but they were to serve other people. And then in the very end of chapter 12, he says, But now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. I want to show you a way of life that is the absolute best. And I want to read the first three verses of First Corinthians 13. We usually hear this at a wedding. In fact, I, I use this in weddings all the time. Rarely do we preach this text, and we do some. But I want to focus on the first three verses, and let's just read them quickly. It says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a cunning symbol. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move the mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And I want to stop there today because he goes on to define that, and we'll save that for a little time. But I want to talk about the importance of love. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, just hear this. There is nothing more important than love. I think he lays it out pretty clearly throughout the entire scripture. You go all the way back to Deuteronomy. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he lays out the rest of the law in dealing with other people. In fact, if you look at the Ten Commandments, they're all centered around those two commands love God and love people. Jesus, uh, when he came to the earth, he spoke on this many different times. And he says that the, the, the commands that we have, the Ten Commands that hang on these two is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, there are many different verses that flesh that out, what it looks like. But I think we understand the significance of love. And when he says, hey, love one another. In fact, right before Jesus was going to uh, ascend into heaven, he said, the time is coming for my departure. I'm about to leave, and, and I want you to know something that's very important. He says, the new command I'll leave with you, I'll give to you. Love one another. And he says, by this love, there's love one another that you're mine. That you're my disciples. And so love is so significant. It's so important. And what Paul lays out for us in the first three verses is how much more greater, how much more important they are than these, these three things. I'm going to look back at them briefly. Verse 1, it says, if I could speak, say speak. So if I could speak all the language known to man or of the angels, but if I didn't love others, this command to love one another, it says I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know what I hear today in our culture, in our world? I hear a lot of noise. Because there's a lot of people saying things, but there's not a lot of love accompanying that saying of things. And he says, listen, if I say things, if I, if I speak, and it's not coupled with love, he says, it's just a bunch of noise. And I hear a lot of noise today in our world. It is getting deafening, isn't it? I even hear it in the church circuit. Paul says, if I could speak, if I could Speak all the languages known to man and angels, but if I didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a cunning symbol. See, we're in a culture today where we're being pushed and said, you need to say something. 
even to speak up with all this going on. If you're not saying anything, then you're just as guilty of those that are doing it. I'm like, time out. I always thought if you didn't have anything nice to say, you probably shouldn't say it. Right? And I think sometimes, to quote one of my favorite bands, but it's the greatest way to say something is to say nothing at all. And I don't necessarily think that we always have to say something. Sometimes we need to be silent and we need to pray. And so what Paul's saying here is uh, that loving other people, or that love is so much greater than what we say. And we, we say a lot of things, and there's a lot of important things to be said. It's not to say that we don't say, but love's more important. Do you hear me? Love is more important than what we, we say. Second thing, verse two, he says, "If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and what this is, this is this is understanding, this is knowledge. If I know everything, Paul says, if I know everything, but if I didn't love others, I would be nothing. There's a lot of that knowledge, as I said, well, though knowledge is increasing, and we've got more and more of it. Uh, it seems like every day there's new information that's coming at us, and we have these." Philosophers, and we have the highly educated, and everybody's got an opinion, as I said last week. And some are really, really smart, and some you're looking at going, You probably should stay off TV or the internet or out of the public circle, if you know what I'm saying. But there's a lot of people that know a lot of things, and it seems like we pride ourselves on um, sharing what we know with other people. Sometimes we're looking for that platform, right? And, and before social media, you didn't see it. And you had to be in that specific area or close to that person before you could hear their opinion. Now, everybody, say everybody, they do have a social media platform. Everybody has a platform, don't they? And I want you to know what I know. We're good at sharing that knowledge. And Paul goes on to say, if I have all that knowledge, all of that understanding, and I don't love people, then I am nothing. It would be nothing. And so we need to understand when it comes to love, love is not only greater than what we say, but it's greater than what we even know. Right. The importance, the significance of this love that we're commanded to do, he said it's greater than what we say, and it's greater than what we even know. And I think we need to know that. I think we need to listen to wise counsel. I think we need to listen to different opinions that love is greater. If I gave everything I have to the poor, I would sacrifice my body. I would boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. If I give, you can look at that as I'm giving my resources, I'm giving money, I'm giving to those in need. I would say we could give our time. If you give our, our force, our energy to a cause, and you say, I'm giving to a protest, and you're like, I just feel like I need to do something, I need to engage, I need to make my voice or stand unified and, and, and just be seen, I need to give in that way. And listen, Paul says, if I gave everything I have to the poor and to sacrifice my body, I could brag about it. That's what I could give to God. But he says, if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Again, he says the importance of love. Love is greater than what we say. Love is greater than what we know. And it's greater than what we can give. Amen? Love is so, so important. First Corinthians chapter 8, Paul talks about knowledge. And we revisit that point. Verse 8, it says, Now, regarding your question about food that was offered to idols, really, they were arguing about whether they could eat this food or not. He says, Yes, we, we know, we have the knowledge about this issue. We already know everything we know about this. He says, But while knowledge makes us feel important, some of the other versions will say knowledge puffs up with pride. He says, um, While it makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much, but. The person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. So love is greater. As I said, if you don't get anything else I say today, hear me say, when God looks at his children and when we respond and when we act and we get going, hey, how can we handle this particular situation, the latest, greatest? And, and let me just tell you that once this issue dies down, another one's going to come up. We're going to get another opportunity to voice our opinion, to take a stand, 
to know some new things, to share that knowledge with people. But can I just tell you, there's one thing that is immovable, and that is the absolute love of God. And many people, what God showed us what that love looked like, I've seen him respond to God on the cross. That's pretty special scripture love, isn't it? Grateful for the love of God. And he said, God, look, you and my children created me in my image, and I want you to grow up, and I want you to love us like I love the guy. You're God, and I'm not. I'm, I'm human, and I walk in the flesh, and there's this battle, and it's just do it. Love them. But, but God, they hurt me. Love them anyway. But God, they, 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 they look different than I do. They have a different. Love them anyway. But God, they, they believe differently than we do in the Bible. I mean, we even bring it into the church. And I've been guilty with some doctrinal issues like, man, we don't agree there, and man, I just love them anyway. That's why a husband, a relationship, right? Like raising kids, abortion, sex, whatever it is, they're going to come and we can find all these different things that qualify or we limit the command of God. And it's like God saying, you don't have to do it. I'm telling you to love them anyway. In fact, I, I think this is a book that I like. I love it. It's the greatest word that was spoken. It's just all of the topics of Jesus, all, all the things that Jesus spoke about. And uh, it's the red letters, if you will, uh, of the scriptures. But uh, on the subject of love, I want to just give you a little blip of some verses. Psalm, Psalm 13, 34, 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 16, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, so lay down his life for his friends. John 15, verse 16, 17 says, this is my command, love each other. Matthew 5, 43, um, you have heard it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemy. To God, but I start it, love your enemy. And pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 19, 19. Honor your father and mother. I'll say this again for you mom and dads out there and your kids are with it. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Mark 12, verses 30 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. There's nothing greater than love. Luke 6. Speaking about somebody strikes you on the cheek, turn the other one also. There's no difficulty in that. Love your enemies. Luke 10, that familiar passage about the Good Samaritan and the United States, that love is merciful, and on and on and on. There's all these verses and scriptures that tell us that as followers of Jesus Christ, that we are to love one another. That's not qualified. There are no conditions on it. There are no limits on it. Because as I have loved you, love other people. That sounds simple on the surface, this idea of loving other people, but when we get to the application part of it, how many of you would agree that it's extremely difficult? But the good news is, we have a merciful, loving, forgiving God, and when we acknowledge our error, and when we go to Him and say, Oh, man, now I'm going to confess our sin, He's faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and to cleanse us of that unrighteousness. And I think that every day we need to begin with a filter. When we're doing the video, so there's those filters that get screwed on, they can't help with clarity and whatever. I think we need to start every day, every one of us, as a follower of Jesus Christ, with a filter. And if I just go there, I just imagine your head has some threads on it and you're screwing the filter on in the morning. I think this is how we need to look when we approach humanity and see people through the filter of God's love for us first. Because we can see them through the filter of our own preconceived ideas and notions about them or what we hear somebody else say or what the media hypes up or what even the, the politicians say. But at the end of the day, we're responsible to love others as He has loved us. And so I think we need to put on the filter and just look at people through that person so God loves that person, even if I don't agree with them. God loves that person even if they look different than I do. God loves that person even if they're the most wicked, vile person. God's love has no bounds. He loves all of the whole world, as John 3.16 says, amen. And he simply says, if I have loved you, I want you to love me. It doesn't mean you have to agree. It doesn't mean you have to concede your, your, your convictions or anything like that. It just simply says, love them anyway. Love them anyway. There's nothing greater than love. It's more important than what we say, more important than what we know, and more important than what we could possibly do. 
Galatians chapter 5, the great chapter, he says that the Christ has truly set us free. Are, are you in Christ today? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? I want you to know you're free. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer the enemy's sin, but you're in God's sin. In fact, like we're, 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 we're soldiers of God now, right? In His army. Because you've truly been set free. What do we do with that freedom? Verse 13, he says, For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. You want to guess what it is? Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Watch that. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Remember, I mentioned last week that you know, we walk in the flesh and we do things in the flesh and uh, we want to walk in the Spirit. This is that passage that says the sinful nature wants to be evil. I mean, that's what it, it's pre-wired to do. The sinful nature wants to be evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. When the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires, and these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions, but when you are directed, guided by the, the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, listen to these. He says the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. I'm going to slow down. Hostility. Quarreling. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Selfish ambition. Dissension. Division. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. Do you know this love? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. The word crucified means killed. He destroyed them there. He's nailed them to the cross. He said, I'm done with the old man. I'm going to nail those things to the cross. He crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. I think you get what I'm, what I'm trying to communicate between what God's communicating to us and what He's been communicating for centuries to a world that is out of life. There's nothing greater than love. And I can just tell you practical things that my wife and I have done over the years to try to build a bridge when there was tension or there was anger or division in a relationship. And I just know that God is faithful and He says His Word is powerful and He'll go out and He'll do what He's sent it to do when we are obedient and we say, you know what? I know I'm angry, I know I'm frustrated, but if I do what He tells me to do and I love them, try to stand in the way of expressing that love. And it may be just in saying, hey, I want you to know you love me and committed to me. That's how that people in the past that we, we would just get into discussions that would seem to always turn into a debate. You know, it felt like there were, there were, there were, there were tension. Like, are we, are we good? And it felt like we just, were just debating. And one time I was in the middle of one of those conversations and God just clearly directed me to just stop and say this. I just want you to know I love you. <laughs> I just want you to know that no matter where we stand on these issues, I am committed to you and I love you. I'm grateful for your love. It's amazing what God can do with that. Love is greater. Amen? Remember having a, an offense before, way in the past, and God instructed Rachel to, to cook a meal and take it to this person that was just really unkind to her. And I'm thinking, you're crazy. I was wanting to see the filter of God's love, but God working in her heart, God was able to do that, and she did. And God used that to restore a relationship. And I just, look, God's love is phenomenal. 
continue to love those that love us, continue to love those that, to love those that we agree with, or that, or that, 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 that look the same way, that think the same way, that challenge them the same, when if they don't look like we do, or think like we do, or want to do something against us, to really walk in that way, to be obedient to this command, I want you to know that's, that's what he's calling us to, church. It's just obedience to love one another. And there is nothing greater than what we say, what we know, what we can give, that will ever be greater than love. Paul finishes up that passage in 1 Corinthians 13 with this. Three things will last forever. Faith, I think we need faith in times like these. Don't you? And we've talked on that in the past 10 weeks. Like, we need faith. We walk by faith. We don't walk by side in the middle of the storm. We need faith that God's with us, that God's providing for us, that God's got this. We need faith. He says three things will last forever. Faith and hope. You know what hope is? Confident expectation. I know that one day all this is going to be over with and I'm going to stand before my Redeemer and I have this hope that one day He's going to return and I say even so Lord, come to your I just this hope. It's a confidence. It's not a guess. I think it's going to happen. It's like I know it will happen. But He can't see it yet. He says these three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and then He says love. And they finish up again and the greatest of these is you can hear me screaming this morning that there's nothing greater than love. We focused on just one thing. I remember years ago talking about the, the, the man that comes to Jesus and says, Look, out of all the laws, out of all the rules, and, and those things, what's the most important? If I can nail it down to one thing, what is the most important thing that I have to focus my life on? And he says, Well, you know what this man said? And he says, I love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, And the second is just as equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the other laws, everything else. Make this a priority in our lives and focus on loving other people, even those that we disagree with, in a time when we need more love, less hate, less debate, in a time of amen. To show love. And then the Bible says that that's how the world's going to know that we're his disciples. That's how they're going to know that we belong to him. It's not engaging in the crazy. You know what? I choose to live through this situation because this is God's love. And I want to try to show that love to everybody that He's bringing my way. Can I just tell you it's an impossible task to do if you're not in the right relationship with God? Because with the natural man, it's incapable of loving this way. Because you're going to love in a way that's natural. As long as you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But if you, uh, if you do me wrong, I'll scratch your eyes out. That's the natural man. That's, that's the way we, we think. And so without. Christ, that the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, it's impossible to love this level. This is only uh, made possible in a right relationship by the fact that God has come to us. And my prayer is, my hope is that you um, have made that, that step of faith and trust in Him with eternal life. And you are your salvation. And if you have, and you're supposed to give us a fresh gift, to give us the Holy Spirit to indwell us, and the Spirit guides us, and so every day becomes a better record, you'll see. Of God's love on us, and I want to try to love it. I want to try to look at people through that filter in a way that would honor Him as Father. I'm just reminded of the last passage uh, that I read. I quoted this morning. My prayer is this: Jesus says, "If you love me, obey my commands." He's calling us to a obedience. So I don't know what that's for you, and whether it's an area like me. I just need to be taught myself, or I. I need to try to fix some relational stuff that I've, I've damaged, or maybe it's just your, your outlook on life, your opinion about what's going on in our world today. And however the Lord leads you to respond to this, I, I just pray that we don't get one minute in our way. Because tomorrow something else will happen, and the next day something else will happen, and yet there's this command. He's our Father in heaven saying, I love you as I command you. Nothing's greater than that. Father, I thank you that you modeled this love for us by sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. That's a radical love. It's a love that I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem fair. But to your enemies, they that actually nailed you to the cross, the cross is bigger than they ever did. In that moment, I believe you're all the secret disciples are going to be the best. 